everyone. This is Ron Stefanski, the host of Disrupt Ed, where we talk to the disruptors. And by that, we mean the determined, the do-gooders out there who are making a difference and also helping to make sense of things in this disrupted 5G world of work that we see. I'm really, really glad to have as my guest in the second part episode of Disrupt Ed, Jose Flores, who has been on who has been on the fast track and recently assumed the reins as CEO, as one of the youngest CEOs in the automotive sector for Anchor Automotive, a software services company. In the previous episode, Jose, you were talking about the complexity of the battery ecosystem, the need for figuring out the lithium ion problem, the need uh, that we're gonna see um, to bring battery production to the US that were held captive by the fact that a large concentration of it is happening in polluting countries that are uh, producing batteries with coal emissions that are not sustainable. And so you've been thinking about a vast number of these challenges. And where I wanna focus in laser tight for the next uh, series here is around the talent. Because to a person at the recent summit uh, hosted by the Detroit Regional Chamber, I spoke with 30 executives and I asked them all one question. What is your biggest barrier to growth? Without exception, every one of them said talent. Now what's fascinating to me is that you got on that global talent radar and people saw you as an up and comer and you were given those opportunities. But maybe you can help our listening audience understand how executives are figuring out the talent issue because we have over 4 million people, uh, uh, jobs for, for 4 million people that are going unanswered. Even as we move into a recession possibly over the next year to year and a half, we will not correct for these problems with talent. We have two to one number of jobs versus number of people that can be hired. So how are companies doing this and how are you approaching it as you take over the reins of a company that's going to be absolutely ravenous for talent? No, it, it, it's actually a very tough uh, challenge run right now. I do like breaking the talent into several parts, for example, Talent shortage, which is people don't want to work, right? right? Then you have talent retention, which is how do you keep your people? And then talent attraction, which is how do you attract people to work for your company? One of our biggest challenges right now, and I've been discussing this for several months with my fellow executives, is our, our talent pool is not getting any bigger, unfortunately, here in Michigan. And it's draining quite fast, but to out of the state, right? So right. we as executives, how do we grow our pool and how do we keep the pool it, within the state? That, that That's the biggest challenge. I know we wanna be the next Silicon Valley, that's what people are saying. And right now, that the healthcare industry is the biggest one, not the automotive industry anymore. Right. right now it's healthcare and software. I think that transition is going to help us because we wanna be a tech talent city. We wanna be a Silicon Valley. So how do we 
attract those type of people and the people that we graduate from the state, how do we retain that people? Because we we do graduate the best engineers in the country. That's great, right? But the moment they get the, their degree, they run out to Chicago, they go to Ohio, they, they right. go to, to, to the West Coast, you know? So these challenges that we're facing as executives are very, very, very tough, but we need to get creative and we need to get disruptive, right? And, this, and that is what we're trying to do, for example. Go, go ahead. No, absolutely. I, I, you know, to me, part of the answer may be the public-private partnerships between educational institutions that are cranking out people. Uh, speaking recently with Dr. Louie Shamra from Oakland University, the Dean of Engineering and Computer uh, Engineering at Oakland University, was talking about, you know, they're producing these talents, but unless we get them in front of employers and, and show them a compelling uh, value proposition for staying here, they're going to exit uh, Michigan for other places. No, and, and as I said, we need to get very creative because attending career first as an employer won't make it anymore. That's that's the least you can do right now. And one of, one of the things we're seeing and we're working with the Les Detroit uh, movement, which I think it's great, is we're building that relationship even before college. We're investing, we're helping people trying to get that education and believe in that people. So later on, as they finish their their their, their educational career, they can come work uh, for you, right? So that, that, those are one of the things that we're doing to try and getting creative, like investing in people, believing in right. people even before college, uh, but also having that open line of communication with 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 uh, with the people out there. For example, myself as a Let's Detroit ambassador, people can reach out to me directly through my personal phone, asking me questions about the industry, about the business, about my company, about what do I see, what do I recommend for people. Uh, recently, I was uh, at a intern workshop for Let's Detroit. I was a speaker there, and I was in front of a lot of interns. And one of the questions that someone said is like, what are the things that do you, you look as an employer when looking at the resumes? And that's a great question, right? Right. And for me, I do value more the person and the willingness to disrupt than your background. Like if you wanna come, Very you, wanna learn, you wanna drive, I value more of that than you having two degrees, for example. You know, that's really interesting because in speaking with other people on the talent issue, what I'm hearing more and more from business leaders, we heard this from Mark Nash, who was on a recent uh, Disrupt Ed podcast talking about his company, which is Outset uh, Medical, and they have they have disrupted uh, the dialysis uh, industry. And what he was talking about is, you know, in a world where they're building a completely industry 4.0 factory, they needed different kinds of talents. And what they found is that it was more important to hire people with a sense of purpose, mission, uh, and zeal. And then they could train them on 
developing the technology and the tools. And it sounds like that's exactly what you're saying, is that more and more employers are going to be looking for people who have that inner resilience, that have that inner passion. And that's clearly what uh, the board saw in you when they made that appointment was they saw someone who could attract that kind of talent. And I believe that's going to be one of the deciding characteristics uh, for success in companies is can they draw the talent to them? And then to your point, what they do to keep them. And maybe you can speak to the retention piece and what you're doing or what you think leaders have to do once they acquire talent, once they bring people into the building, how do you keep them? No, that's a great question. And I just to close the last topic, uh, right now the thing is people don't want to get the job position. They want to be part of something. They want to be part of a group. I do see a lot of people asking me on interviews, what's your culture? How does your culture look like, right? And we actually here at Anchor, we call it culture, like C-O-O-L, pure, right? Like <laughs> we're cute, we're cool. Right, culture. Um, so, and you need to inspire that people, right? Right. So they're not looking for a, I don't know, for a program manager position. They want to work with you, with the group, regardless of that position. And that takes us to the next question, which is, how do you retain? Once right. you get the people on board, how do you retain that people? And I think one that that's one of the biggest challenges right now because. We're transitioning a lot where people are looking more for the culture, for the group and everything. So the ways I personally uh, like retain the talent is number one, <clears throat> development. Like all the training, all the education, I give them all the perks they want. We, we do have a tuition reimbursement program by 100%. Fantastic. So if you want to go out there and get another degree, get a master, we'll reimburse it for you. So we're investing in you for you to get better because at the end you're going to apply that knowledge back to the company. So first education for sure. Mm -hmm. Second one, inspire. You need to inspire your people. I love right? that. Jose, I love that. That's exactly right. Uh, so many of the next generation coming up are looking to be inspired and they're looking, as you said, to be part of something bigger. And it could be that you're producing parts or something. But if you can help articulate a story about how you're impacting either the environment or the, the global uh, environment or the practice of delivering value-added services to people in need, or you're solving problems for people, it could be any of those things. But if you approach that with a sense of mission, I think that's what uh, breeds that kind of inspiration that you're talking about that has now become a critical condition of employment for employees coming to you uh, in the job interview. For sure, for sure. And as I said, inspire the people. If they don't find a sense of purpose, they won't enjoy the ride, right? So inspire. And the third, of all, the, the third one is take them to the next level. I do see a lot of managers out there that they feel nervous about their employers that, oh no, he's going to take my job. And for me, I see it totally the opposite side. I want my team, I want my guys to be better than me. I train them that way. I want them to challenge me as an executive, challenge my decisions, because it's always good to listen 
to your team, right? I'm a listener. I just don't want to go and say, you do this, you do that. No, I want people questioning my orders because there's always another perspective. And it's very interesting for you to also hear your peers and, and, and your employers. So inspiration, education, and do not limit your people. Always peer pressure them, take them to the next level, develop them, believe in them, right? That's fantastic. You know, a recent guest on the show, uh, Alan Pierce, is also from abroad. He comes from England, where he was the president of Kyocera and then decided to buy a business. And he, uh, in the process, found new technology for um, additive manufacturing and the production and the machining of titanium parts for the aeronautics and space industry. And so he started his company, Fast Tech, and he quickly <clears throat> discovered that he was taking some pretty monumental risks. He was starting a company without a customer and spending a lot of money on the equipment to do that. And then he was looking to say, how do I find the right talent for it? And what he chanced upon was an opportunity to work with Danville Community College in Northern Virginia, where they had a machining program that was extremely robust. And he worked with them to adapt it for his business. And what he found is that people were coming there because they could see a company that was willing to invest in them, <clears throat> in their careers. And in the machining world, related industry to uh, your field, uh, all part of the greater piece of the puzzle of advanced manufacturing, you have skills that are required that are a long time in the A machinist, as he, he started out, was a long-term apprenticeship. If you're going to be able to provide that level of support to young people starting out or people mid-career and say, we're going to invest in you, I think that comes as a huge premium, um, and that is certainly – uh, a clear way uh, to help retain that talent because no, sure. they're going to go elsewhere, right? <clears throat> for sure. And, and we do have very interesting internship programs here at Anchor, actually, where we invest and we and we pay for your education while you're working for us uh, half, half of the time or whatever hours you can put on. But also it's getting on the creative side. For example, right now, recently I came out with the idea of doing an innovation hub. I'm like, okay. I want to have a place within my company that is where the ideas goes into a reality, right? Where the, the right. dreams come true. So we're building this very cool innovation hub with modular furniture moving around, very interactive, very co-working space. Because also, and, and we haven't discussed this, but that's a huge different monster, is people don't want to come back to the office, right? So right. that's one of my challenges. And for me to try to bring back people, I'm doing it through positive reinforcement, doing the innovation hub, doing a co-working space, making it a more for fun environment. So they want to come and be part of Anchor, right? You know, that's a great, great suggestion or a great initiative, this idea of an innovation hub, because... Uh, what we're hearing about people in this uh, great resignation is that they don't want to go back. And yet one of the key places where going back makes sense and actually compels people to return is when they're part of a think group 
and they go in there and they can't replicate that in a Zoom call. The back and forth parsing of ideas, uh, the back and forth of trying new things completely off the wall and feeding off the energy and the dynamic of the group and the other members of the team. And nothing technologically can replicate that short of bringing people into a space. And so I think that's a really, really creative solution to helping people to see returning to work as a positive thing, because there have been some very large and well-publicized um, admonitions that people have to return. We witnessed most recently Twitter saying, you either come back and agree to spend 50 hours a week intense working in our, in our offices or you're out. Um, I, th I think those are probably talent killers in terms of retention. Wouldn't you agree? No, totally. And you're seeing people pushing back. I mean, a big OEM here said the same. And the next day, they took it back because people said, like, you know what? I'm not going back to work. Like, I'll just go around the corner and get a job that is working from home. So my way or my approach to fight that challenge is creating a space a co-working space where you have that dynamic, that one-to-one -one interaction. And also we created a gratification system with points. Uh, we're working on it. So if you come to the office, you get points and then those points you can exchange it for something like a PTO day or a hat or a speaker, whatever you want, right? Um, so we're, we're, we're also working on that, but we're getting very creative, as you see, to try to, to bring people back to work. Right. Uh, during our summit, we also had a chance to hear uh, from Doug Song talking about the talent conundrum, and he talked about a couple solutions, um, and one of them was to take non-competes off the table and to create a more compelling environment where people didn't feel conscripted to be working there. Um, your thoughts on that and some of the other things he shared? I totally echo with him. I'm a non-believer of non-competes. I don't like forcing people working for, for me or with me, right? Um, as I said, I want to inspire people and I want people that want to work with me and believe in the purpose of the company. If the only thing holding, holding them back from going elsewhere, it's a contract, that person doesn't believe in you and doesn't believe in the vision of the company. So I don't think you should force that person to stay in your company. Honestly, either you do a better job at, at inspiring that person and, and sharing your vision, because most of the most of the times people don't understand the vision as a company, right? So I think we as executives need to do a very good job transpiring or delivering that vision even to the bottom of the chain, right? Not just your executives but also going back there with the operators, talking to them. For example, I go every single day, say good morning to everyone, talk to everyone. We're a very close company. And the tenure speaks by itself. I have employees, my, my, my tenure is 30 years, Ron. I mean, people, yeah. people, that leave my company, people that leave my company is because they're retiring. <laughs> that's the that's only reason. Great. That's That's fantastic. Well, um, you know, maybe you could talk a little bit about one of the other things that, that Doug was talking about that you and I talked about outside of the episode, and that's around building a culture. You know, what are the things that you do as an aspiring young executive 
to create the kind of culture that you think the times and your business needs require. For sure, for sure. And and as you saw, creativity is not an issue for myself. So one of my peers on Leadership Detroit also calls me a very fun CEO. I do see myself as a very fun CEO, by the way. <laughs> uh, I, I, I do a lot of fun stuff. I, I, I see ourselves as we work very hard, but we play harder. Like I, I do believe in that wellness, balance, life, right? We just put, for example, we just partnered with Breathless, which is a new startup of healthy wraps, and we just put a vending machine out there, and Anchor subsidizes half, half of the price. So you can get a healthy sub fresh every single day for four or five bucks. Wow. But, and that's 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 trying to uh, um, to promote that that culture that you said. We do a lot of events. We do a lot of fun stuff. Or Christmas parties coming up. We're doing ugly sweater contests, and then we're building an anchor village with gingerbread houses and men's and stuff. And <laughs> so and and, and if you guys follow our LinkedIn account, you will see that our culture is it's. Very, very fun. We do pumpkin carving content. We go to games. We, we, you name it. Because I'm a huge believer that also we need to get together outside of the work environment. Because we're 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 also friends, right? We're we're very close together. Right. We're we're a small group. We're less than fifty employees, but we do have huge impact. So I do see Anchor as a small company that does big changes, right? We're, we're disruptive. <laughs> so Fantastic. And if you've been listening or viewing this episode, uh, you're here with me, Ron Stefanski, the host of Disrupt Ed, where we talk to people who are disrupting, leading that disruption, or helping to make sense of it for the rest of us. And we're joined here today by Jose Flores, CEO of Anchor Automotive, talking about building a culture that attracts the kind of talent you want for a company that's poised for high growth. Um, Jose, as you talk about this, uh, are there certain areas or certain um, uh, places where you're finding the talent where you think, wow, you know, as we focus our attention, uh, these initiatives seem to be uh, much more productive in terms of getting us the right kinds of people for, for our business. Yeah, yeah, that's a very good question. So there's the traditional career first, which we haven't been very lucky, honestly. But then there's the disruptive career first. Like, for example, just a couple of weeks ago, we went to Valentine Distillery down in Ferndale for a yes. Let's Detroit career fair. And that was a very interesting career fair because people had drinks, which is kind of unusual for a career right. fair. But each employer and each uh, uh, people that, that went to apply for jobs had, like, tickets for drinks, which it's kind of, like, unusual, but okay. I, I, I think at the end that helped the persons that were applying to jobs to be more open and, and, and less nervous about, because if you're just a graduate, you just got out of college, you normally get these fancy employers in front of you, and you get all nervous, and you start right, saying, right. you know, this is your first attempt to get out on the professional world, right? Uh, so it was a very unusual career fair. We were, the employers had a banner. We were on a high top with two chairs. We were just sitting there and people used to approach with drinks. And we just had like a very, in, like, unusual 
talk about the company, what we do, the culture down there. And then if we saw a match, we would exchange uh, emails and, and follow up with that. So I think that was a very creative way. I, I did, we, we did have love with that. We had like three or four candidates that made okay. it out So So that's great. So we're exploring any types of options that are out there, honestly. Well, it seems to me that companies, as we go forward, uh, are going to have to resort to the kinds of uh, creative endeavors that you've been describing today um, in order to, to, as you said, attract, retain, and keep uh, the talents of the future. Uh, my colleague, uh, Cynthia Hutchison, who uh, oversees and heads up the U.S. Center for Advanced Manufacturing here in the Detroit area, uh, is recently hosting a series of initiatives around the augmented workforce. And you see those kinds of things changing the profile of talent as we inject more technology into the workplace, as we augment the workplace uh, and the physical aspects of the job of operating in the, in the business. You see those things having a talent implication? Yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, as I said, there there's different ways, but right now I think our road to success is thinking out of the box. That, that that's the way we executives need to challenge ourselves of being non-traditional, more dynamic, and more out-of-the-box thinkers of how can we attract, retain, and improve or, or, or take it to the next level. You know, as I think about your uh, description of this creative career fair, uh, I'm also drawn to an observation I made when attending the recent IMTS uh, conference in Chicago. And, you know, there you have thousands of vendors and tens of thousands of people. And one of the observations I made as someone who doesn't have a tech background, but has been following advanced manufacturing in the world of upskilling for several decades now, one of the things that struck me is the wow factor, the number of cool things that this disrupted world is bringing to the forefront. It used to be in the days of my grandparents' generation that you went to work to provide for a family. Now, when you go to work in manufacturing, it's not the smokestack industry it once was. It's not the dirty factory floor that it was. Even when I worked as a press operator, putting myself through college, dirty, oily floors, um, no air conditioning. Um, but also, it just seems that the whole work environment is changing. And if we could do a better job at it seems to me, of helping young people see the cool factor in manufacturing. And by the cool factor, I mean, if you're a young person who wants to make things, to build things, then you belong here in Detroit. You belong here in manufacturing because that's what we do. We make stuff. Um, and I'm curious about um, the talent future for people who want to build stuff and make stuff. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And something that I have been very lucky with it is being reachable. I, I think that's one of the biggest success that I have been getting at attracting talent to Anchor is I'm a very reachable guy. I'm out there with my executives interacting with people and people do find very interesting my story. Normally when they see three guys and this is, I don't, I don't know if this is good or bad, but normally when they see three guys on a suit, they don't think I'm the CEO, honestly, because I'm the youngest one. You know? <laughs> but then when we're doing the introduction, it's like, oh, you're the CEO? How old are you? 
how come? Tell me your story. Like, what are you doing? This is so cool. Like, I want to work for you. I understand. So that that's actually playing my favor. Um, so. Right. I was recently talking to Leighton Cheney, who oversees customer experiences in the software business, and they were talking about just that thing that, um, you know, you have to represent as a leader. And what you're going to find when you represent authentically, relatably, uh, compassionately, uh, with empathy, you're going to attract people who say, wow, I feel like I could see myself in this environment. I feel like I could see myself working. And that yeah, they, seems to me to be the equation you're trying to solve for now is you're not trying to plug, you know, where we moved away is from plugging a person in with, with the, the educational background and saying, okay, we're going to assume that they have a bachelor's degree, they can go off and do this. And we're now looking to create uh, more of a nuanced fit uh, for the kind of culture you're building, for the kind of talent that you're attracting, so that people find it a compelling place to stay and to grow. Yeah, for sure. Creating the bond is not enough anymore. Besides creating the bond, as you said, you need to groom that person into the role, right? But for you, to groom that person into the role, you need to give that person a sense of purpose for the company, right? Needs to believe in the company, have a purpose of the company. What What's my impact? How am I going to be disruptive at this company? And how am, how I, am I going? Right. How am I going to leave a footprint in the company or move the needle within the company? That's what people out there are asking those questions now. They They just don't want to a job. They want right. a sense of purpose of they why am I choosing this company, this leader, this job. Fantastic. If you've joined us, this has been Disrupt Ed. I'm Ron Stefanski, and I've been enjoying this riveting conversation with Jose Flores, the CEO of Anchor Automotive, one of the fast-growing companies here in Michigan. Uh, thank you, Jose, for joining us. These two sessions with you talking about your own origin story and how you've used it to create a platform for growth at Anchor is simply fascinating. And I think your attention to and insight about um, talent and what people are looking for uh, when they choose to come to work for a company, uh, very, very powerful stuff. I hope my listening audiences enjoyed this. If you have, stay tuned for more. I'm going to invite Jose back again. Uh, but in the meantime, Jose, final thoughts about this. No, it, it, it was a great conversation. I enjoyed myself, Ron. Thanks for having me. As I said, quick summary, inspire people, invest in people, believe in people. That Those are the three takeaways for, for retaining and attracting talent. And that's a great place for us to leave you all. So thank you, Jose, once again for joining us. This has been Disrupt Ed, where we talk to the disruptors, the do-gooders out there. Thank you for joining us and stay tuned for more episodes. Thank you, everyone.